0: Hey guys, this is Rick Godwin, pastor of Summit Church here in San Antonio. Thanks for joining us today. You know, we're excited to have you on our podcast. Our goal is to inspire you and to challenge you and help everyone realize their full potential in Christ. Now enjoy the message. Hey, I'm glad you're here today. Mark chapter four, Mark chapter four. I'm going to bring another parable today. We did last week on the parable of the great feast. This one is the parable of the seed and the sower. And you'll find it interesting. Of all the parables, there's only one that Jesus said, if you don't understand this one, you're not going to understand any of them. And that's what this parable is that we're going to look at this morning. So the story that we're looking at this morning comes from Mark's gospel, And at this point in Jesus' life, he's already gained a following. His Instagram followers are off the chart. Facebook, he's leading the way in everything. People were hearing he's a guy who could cast out demons, somebody who could heal the sick, somebody who, when the religious leaders heard him speak, kind of trembled a bit because he was saying things that were rattling their status quo. People would come asking, what's he going to do next? what's he going to say next? They never knew. And so Mark starts in chapter 4 by saying, Jesus began to teach beside the lake. Such a large crowd gathered that he climbed into a boat and he moved out away from the shore. He sat in the boat while the whole crowd nearby stood on the shore. He said many things to them in parables while teaching them He said, listen to this. A farmer went out to scatter seed. As he was scattering seed, some fell on the path. Birds came, ate it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where the soil was shallow. They sprouted up immediately, but because the soil wasn't deep, when the sun came up, it scorched the plants, and they dried up because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorny plants. The thorny plants grew and choked the seeds, and they produced nothing. Other seed fell into good soil and bore fruit. Upon growing and increasing, the seed produced in one case a yield of 30-fold, in another case a yield of 60-fold, and in another case a hundred-fold. So I want you to imagine for just a moment, you're one of these people who went to find out what Jesus was saying. You've heard a lot about him. You're hearing these things about Jesus' life, and you heard he's saying these things that are kind of mind-blowing to that culture. Then you go to here. Maybe you're sitting on the edge of your seat like, okay, okay, what's he gonna say next? So he starts talking about a farmer throwing seed, and you're like, okay. I know what that's all about. I've seen that before. Come on, keep going. And Jesus tells the story, and he ends it by saying, the seed that landed on good soil grew and bore fruit. Those who hear should listen and understand. Then he leaves. Well, what do you think they might be thinking at that moment? They were probably like, we came for that. Seed and good soil grows and bears fruit. Duh tell me something I don't know. There's got to be more to this than that. And many times when Jesus gave a parable, there was. And in this case, there was. The people heard that and they went home, but some continued to follow Jesus. So when we pick it up in verse 10, it says, when they were alone, this is Jesus and the people who continued to follow The people around Jesus, along with the 12 disciples, asked him about the parables. In this case, picture Peter, who's one of Jesus' closest followers, and he's going to say something. He's like the guy that doesn't know the answer to what was said, but he doesn't want you to know that he doesn't know what the answer is. So he pitches back to Jesus. Great parable today. That one about the farmer was fabulous. I really understood it. I get it. But James and John over here, they're just argumentative all the time. You know how brothers are. They don't get it. So I tried to explain it to them, but they're not really listening. So, Lord, do you think you could tell them? This sort of manipulating the Lord to give him the answer. He hasn't got a clue. What were you actually meaning by this parable? Then Jesus goes on. He says, the secret of God's kingdom has been given to you, but to those who are outside the kingdom, everything comes in parables. This is so that they can look and see, but not have insight, and they can hear, but not understand. Otherwise, they might turn their lives around and be forgiven. I grew up singing songs like, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so or Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. So I had this idea of Jesus being the most loving, welcoming, and caring guy that ever lived. Then you read a passage like this where Jesus says they can hear but not understand, otherwise they might turn their lives around and be forgiven. Well, at face value, that doesn't really sound like a an idea whose who fits the image of what I thought Jesus to be. It's kind of troubling if you just read that much. You know, anytime you come to one of these moments in your faith, it's always important to go a little bit deeper and ask, okay, what's going on here? Let's see if I can learn more. So in this case, you find out what Jesus was doing was quoting a prophet in the Old Testament named Isaiah. If you're from Europe, Isaiah. The prophets throughout scripture were people who were commissioned by God, sent to nations and to leaders of different countries to say, hey, you guys are headed the wrong way. If you don't turn your lives around, if you don't change your lives, trouble is coming. Judgment is coming. So they would go to these people and say, you're on the wrong path. Turn around. Things will go well for you. But if you don't, trouble is coming. So, Isaiah was sent to Israel during a time when Israel's kings weren't doing a very good job of following God. They had pretty much abandoned all that God had called them to do, and they're kind of living their own lives, doing whatever they wanted to do. So, God sends Isaiah to Israel, and he says, You know, go say to this people, listen intently, but don't understand, look carefully, but don't comprehend. The same thing and same idea that Jesus shared about. That's what he's doing is what Isaiah did. When the prophet Isaiah would go, he would deliver a pretty strong message that challenged people to change their lives and the way they were behaving and would tell them something they didn't want to hear, but would change their life. By the way, anybody ever had your wife tell you something you didn't want to hear, but it was good for you? Yeah. Come on, chicken. Come on. Let me ask you this. When you're having a really bad day and somebody comes up to you and says, hey brother, you're in a bad mood. You need to change your attitude. How do you respond? (laughs) I think this is sort of what's going on with the prophets. They came to deliver this message to tell the people or the leader, you're doing something wrong. You need to change your mind, your attitude your way of life. And oftentimes the people, when they heard this, were so set in their ways, it didn't matter what they were told. They were going to do what they were going to do regardless. But there was always this option to turn back to God. And we see it many times throughout scriptures. One example that stands out is the prophet Jonah. Now, a lot of us know Jonah, probably even if you were never part of the church, you know the story of Jonah and the whale, the guy who gets swallowed by this great fish and lived to tell the story. Now, we oftentimes teach that story saying, follow God or else you're going to get swallowed by a fish, which is a little bit nightmare inducing to the children. But that's not actually the point of the prophet Jonah. The point of Jonah is not about the dumb fish. It's about a God who is full of grace and mercy, who wants people to change the way of living and to turn back to him. In fact, Jonah was called to go to this nation of Nineveh, which was a horrible nation doing horrible things to people. And God said, Jonah, I want you to go there, and I want you to tell them to repent, to change their lives. Well, eventually, when he goes, he does and what do the people do? They change. They repent. They, they, they humble themselves, and they come back to God, and God saves them, has mercy on them. But what happens in the story we find out is that God wanted them to hear. He didn't want them not to hear. Jonah didn't want them to hear, and Jonah actually says this to God. He says, come on, Lord, Wasn't this my whole point when I was in my own homeland? This is why I fled to Tarshish earlier, because I know you are a merciful, a compassionate God. You are very patient. You are full of faithful love. You're not willing to destroy anybody. Let me pause there and say, you just got a great picture of who God is. I don't know what picture you were given, but that prophet described the nature of our God compassionate, merciful, long-suffering. If you listen to some right-wing Christians, they want to fry you like a fricassee at any infraction. And that does not represent the heart of God. God's not willing you should perish. God's not willing you should be judged. And God goes a lot. When you see somebody crash and burn, they didn't run a stop sign. They have been running stop signs a long time, just ignoring God trying to hold them down. See, Jonah's mad because God is a God who wants those people to hear and understand. He wants people to turn to him and be saved. So when Jesus is quoting Isaiah, what he's trying to do is to align himself with the prophets of old saying, I've come to tell you people about this new life that they're invited to. You're invited to become a part of my new life, new kingdom. But a lot of people are going to hear this and nothing is gonna happen because they don't want to change. They want relief, they don't wanna change. They don't wanna actually hear this. They maybe wanna hear the news or find out what I'm gonna do, but they don't actually want to change. And like the prophets, Jesus came to proclaim a new kingdom, a new government, and to give us an invitation to a new way of doing life. By the way, if Jesus comes to give you a new way of doing life, I don't care if you're male or female, Republican or Democrat, Hispanic, white, Caucasian, African-American, or Asian. You do what he said. Where do you get a pass, go, and get $200 because of your race or your background or your nationality or your political preference? You don't get one inch. Jesus said, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, the way of thinking. He said, I don't want you thinking like a Southern boy from South Carolina. I don't want you thinking like a Democrat or a Republican. I don't want you thinking like a Hispanic on the South side. I want you thinking like me. Jesus said that. Now that puts everybody in the same pot. That means you ought to get the same treatment from me that you get from Jesus. You get the same treatment regardless of your race, nationality, or political affiliation. It may be wrong, but if I've got the mind of Christ, I'm going to treat you like Jesus did. Buckle up, buttercup. Put your tray in the upright lock position. We're going to go and buckle your seatbelt. This applies to everybody. I don't know how you can get yourself in one group and be exempt from doing what Jesus said to do. We wouldn't have racism, we wouldn't have bigotry, we wouldn't have prejudice, we wouldn't have discrimination if we all had the mind of Christ. See, sorry for preaching, but I do have a license, okay. So he gives us an invitation to a new way of doing life, but the people who heard it had to respond to the message. And with that in mind, when we look at this parable and the parables throughout the lens of the prophets, it brings kind of new light to what Jesus might be saying, and he gives us an invitation as well. Will I hear, and will I respond? A lot of people hear, but they don't do. Jesus said, if you hear my words and do it, you're like a guy that built his life on a rock, and storms are going to come whether you're spirit filled or you're a pagan. Storms are coming, baby, but you won't fall. But if you hear my word, typical Christian, walk out the door, get in the parking lot and head to eat, but you don't do what I said, then goody for you, Sparky, the storms are going to come and hit your life too, and you're going to fall. You're going to crash. So let's look at how Jesus explained, explains this parable. Verse 14, Jesus says, the farmer scatters the word. So when he talks about the word, that's what Jesus is saying. That's basically saying Jesus' message to the people. And Jesus' message was, God's kingdom is here. Now, come, follow me, be a part of my kingdom. Jesus says, this is the meaning of the seed that fell on the path. When the word is scattered and people hear it, right away, Satan comes and steals the word planted in them. Here's the meaning of the seed that fell on rocky ground. When people hear the word, they immediately receive it joyfully. But because they have no root in them, they last for a little while. But when they experience trouble, setback, problems, distress, or offense because of the word, they immediately fall away. I'm going to quit. I can't go on. God doesn't love me. Okay. Others are like the seed scattered among thorny plants. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this life all the cares of life, the false appeal of wealth and the desire for more things break in and choke the word and it bears no fruit. The seed scattered on good soil are those who hear the word and embrace it. They bear fruit. In one case, 30 fold. Another case, 60 fold. Another case, a hundred fold. Hey, I don't know about you, but they all sound good to me. Right. So when you hear Jesus describe this parable, what's he focusing on? He's not focusing on the seed. That's God's word. He's focusing on the soil and that's us and how the soil receives and responds to the seed is the big issue here because seeds are made to grow. I don't have to pray over my seed. Seed's got a DNA in it. If it gets planted, it grows, whether it's good or bad. See. I think it's interesting to note that in all of the soils but one, the seed grows. Seeds are made to grow. When you put a plant in a pot and you give it sunlight and you give it water, hey, it grows. Remarkable. That's what trees and plants and flowers do. I remember Cindy had some plants a couple of years ago on the back porch, and they looked really pretty for a while. And then we noticed they started looking bad and we didn't know what was wrong because I was giving them water. They're out in the sunlight. They should have been, they should have been basking and growing, but they looked like they were dying. And upon examination, we discovered there were these tiny little bugs or mites or something that had made their way into the soil and had been destroying the roots, killing the plant. Did you know those things work in you, work in me? Working in that soil, our heart, to just negate, bearing any kind of fruit. Oh, yeah. Offense, bitterness, anger, hatred, prejudice, greed, strife, contention, pride. Those are little termites, mites that get in there and just eat away at the root so you're unfruitful. So we had to get new soil and breathe new life into our plant. And I say that because seed is made to grow. If it ain't growing, what's wrong? It's not the seed. Something's wrong in the soil, us. So this parable isn't something that says me, come on, Rick, make the seed grow. It's asking us, will you let the seed grow in you? See, will you let it grow in the soil of your heart and let Jesus plant himself in you and grow and bear fruit in your life? Not, not too complicated. So that's what Jesus is asking with this. Are you going to let me plant my word in your heart and life and let it grow and bear fruit? Are you just going to walk away and stay like you are? Are you going to get entangled with other things going on in the world so that it takes you away and my word can't bear fruit? Or are you going to run away and quit because hard times hit you and you thought, well, if Jesus loves me, my life should be upward and onward and happy and no trouble? Boy, did you miss the boat. I don't know what happened. Who told you that? The most important message of the year, I will preach you next week on this very issue, which is killing people. Mental illness, emotional breakdown, distress, the culture here. You don't have what it takes to stand. And how do you get that resilience? God has a way for you to grow it so nothing can take you out and it is so easy to take people out. I'm offended. Things went wrong. Somebody didn't like me. Somebody betrayed me. Join the club. I don't know anybody that hasn't had that. Duh. This is part of life. In this world, Jesus said, you will have tribulation. Did you read that? Put it on your refrigerator. That is normal Christian life. It's going to happen. It's wrong, but it's going to happen. And he tells me about it, okay? So in all but one of the soils, the seed grew. So the goal is to bear fruit. Would you agree? It's for God's word to come through us and bear fruit. But what is that fruit? Well, if the seed of the word of God is about God's kingdom, his government, his rule, then fruit would be lives that reflect those kingdom values. My values, my priorities, how I behave how I think. It's amazing how many people can sit in this church or any church in America or the world and hate their brother or their sister or your mother or your father for something that happened 10, 15 years ago. It is a fact. God's Word did not bear any fruit in you at all in that area. Oh, maybe you received the seed of God's Word to save you, but that's about it. You have not grown. You have not allowed the soil of your heart to produce any good fruit. I've, I've shared this before, but I hated my father's guts. Is that nice? I mean hate. You have no idea how hate I can hate. You have no idea how extreme without Jesus I can be. I could gut you hang you out to dry faster than you ever imagined if it weren't for Jesus. And I'm on my way to heaven. I'm a tither. I'm regularly attending church. I pray, and I hate my father's guts. Divorced five times, handed off to different people in the family, uh, abandonment, whatever. Okay, big deal. I'm gonna suck my thumb and feel sorry for myself. No, no, no. No, 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 but I just hated. I saw no evil in that, after all, what he's done and how he's lived. He rightfully deserves to be hated. And then Jim Hilton brought a devotion in a Bible study I was in on curses. I'd never heard about curses. You know, Baptists, our biggest scripture was we wrestle not. We, We didn't fight anything. We just took everything. What flu, whatever it was, that's all. We wrestle not. But anyway, he talked about what it does to me, what it does to the family or children. And I had just opened a door for the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy, but I didn't know it. And when that seed of God's word went in after an hour, it scared the heck out of me. It wasn't just me, it was like, what have I allowed the enemy to do to my kids, my family? I didn't know that. And I got out of that chair, having had that seed go in me, went in a private office, picked up the phone, and I called the man that for most of my life, I hated him. You have no idea how hard that was. That may be, in my life, the most difficult, scary thing I ever did. I'm not afraid of much of anything, but that scared me because he's bad. What am I going to call him and ask him to forgive me for? He's the bad guy. I'm forgetting Jesus saved me, the bad guy. But what's that got to do with him? And I asked him to forgive me for hating him and and whatever. And I broke that curse. So glad I did. But I'm showing you that that seed, although you wouldn't have known it was working in me, when I did hear it, I responded to it. And that's what God's asking you to do. When you hear clear scripture, God says, I ain't asking you to think about it. I'm asking you to do it. I'm asking you to do it. I don't care what your race is. I don't care who offended you. I don't care what you've been through. That's my word of the kingdom. Behave like that. Now, I'm cut and dry. That's pretty clear for me. How long is it going to take you to bear fruit? Sadly, many Christians don't bear any fruit. But in John 15, he says, my father is glorified when you bear much fruit. That means if seed goes in you, your body, girls, when seed goes in you, is going to change. You're going to get big. You're going to hang out all over the place because that seed is alive and seed grows. If God's word seed is in you, it is going to grow unless there's bad soil. And this is what God's asking us to check. What kind of soil are you? And so maybe it means for you the ability to forgive someone who's hurt you deeply, just like I did. Or that fruit could be able to love and care for somebody who votes different from you, or somebody from a different background or race. When we are the right soil, God's Spirit begins to grow in us and bear fruit in our lives that changes the lives of people who are around us as well. And so what this parable forces us to ask is not, will the seed of God grow, but will I let the seed grow in me and bear fruit? Now, let's go back and take a look at the parable and look at the explanations of each of these soils. And as we do, ask yourself this question, which soil am I? In this season of my life right now, which soil I'm about to read describes me. I say this season because life has seasons. Our faith has seasons. Sometimes we feel like if we're following Jesus, everything to needs to be moving to the right and upward on a graph or chart. And that's a hope, sure. But oftentimes, life doesn't happen that way. Life is hard. Sometimes we plateau. But the hope we find in this passage is that even when we do, that God continues to work. God's seed continues to grow. I'm sure my grandfather thought I was a hopeless case as a teenage boy in high school raising me. He took me to church every morning on Sunday. There was no debate about it, and he was hard of hearing, and he would listen to Dr. DeHaan, the radio Bible class uh, of America or something. He turned that sucker up. You could shake in the bed hearing him preach. I hated it. But I heard it, and it wasn't bearing any fruit. But little did my grandfather know, he did get to live to come to one of the crusades where I spoke and hear me on, on stage preach. And I thought, I know it's been a long time, Grandpa, but that seed went in me. It is now bearing some fruit. It took a long time, sorry, but it wasn't wasted, Grandpa. When Jesus gave his life for you and me on the cross and rose from the dead, his kingdom started to infiltrate every part of our world. And he wants it to grow in you, in me, if we let it. He will continue to let it grow and bear fruit as long as you live. That means I'm still changing. Somebody told me a week ago, somebody made a criticism that wants to be a right-wing supremacist nationalist who said, you've got too much love. I never had that criticism in my whole life. My wife said, is he talking about you? I, yeah, because I came from the deep South. D- racism, discrimination, prejudice, Oh, rednecks. That was my background. Some of you come out of a different background. But I ain't this, I'm, I, I'm from the same place, but I'm not the same person. What's changed me is not my color What's changed me is God's seed, His word, in my heart, and it's different. If you come in here and God's seed goes in you, you can't stay racist, prejudiced, greedy, stingy, hate-filled, judgmental, legalistic. You come in that way, but if God's seed goes in you, you'll change. You'll say I shouldn't behave that way. You ain't perfect, but you'll start to change if that seed is growing in you. I ought to see some fruit. Are you a generous person? Are you stingy? Are you greedy? Are you judgmental? There are some people that want me to get on a soapbox and hate everybody, want me to tear apart every administration or whatever. Good luck to you. Good luck to you. I'm not your puppet. I'm going to preach good news to you. And I'm going to tell you that Jesus had bad people around him all the time. In fact, the most, the biggest crowd he had was bad people. See, if you don't respond, I'm just going to get every strip club and bar in town and tell them we're going to give sandwiches and beer. Come on. I'm going to preach you. Give me 20 minutes. and I'm gonna... Your beer drinking and your philandering doesn't bother me at all. Didn't bother Jesus at all. He just gave him good news. Only God can change you. Only his word can change you. I can't change anybody. But if you'll let that seed go in, it will. But there are plenty of people who hear it, walk out and the enemy just takes it and life goes on as normal. Nothing changed. So let's go back to the parable and start with the very beginning with the seed that fell on the path. Jesus says this, this is the meaning of the seed that fell on the path, on the road. When the word is scattered and people hear it right away, Satan comes and steals the word that was planted in them. What's the first words he said in the Bible? Satan's first words to Eve. Hath God said. God doesn't mean what he said. He's old school. He's out of touch. He wanted to change it. See, steal it away. She bought it hook, line, and sinker. And that's why we have fallen humanity to this day. And by the way, Adam joined her in the same deal. So when I think about the path, I think about Marshawn Lynch. Specifically, Marshawn Lynch press conferences. If you're a football fan in here, you remember that Marshawn Lynch was a running back for the Seattle Seahawks. And he had the best press conferences of any NFL player. It doesn't matter what question sports reporters asked him. His response, go Google it, is, I'm just here so I don't get fined. What about that, what about that incredible play in the third quarter, Marshall? I'm just here so I don't get fined. Unless Marshall wants to change, Marshall is going to be Marshall. See, the path. When I think about it, it's like we're set in our ways and we're just not going to change no matter what. We're going to do what we're going to do. Now, what that might look like in our lives is I'm just here because my parents are making me come. I'm just here because my wife wants me to be here, but I ain't really here. We come and we like feeling connected, but I don't know if I can believe any of this stuff about Jesus, so I'm just going to go do my own thing. I think about the path as being something where we show up, then we go back home and life goes right back to normal. I think the path can also show up in another way. Like I'm going to check the news headlines during the sermon on my iPhone because I've heard this one before. Didn't work in me, but I've heard it before. Or I'm not going to go this week because it's not deep enough for me or I know where he's going with this. So I'm gonna start thinking about what I plan to do right after the service. I hope I can get out before the crowd starts. And I'm not actually gonna to listen to what's being said. And honestly, this path is the biggest danger for lifelong church attendees. Because we know a lot of stuff, we've heard a lot of things, and it becomes so easy for us to just be numb and check off our box or check out completely and not actually let God's Word ever sink into our lives in any meaningful way that would produce change. And another thing, if you could do it, if, if your faith is feeling stagnant, is try switching up your spiritual practices. Maybe you're somebody who always reads the Bible. Okay, well then maybe now listen to it on audiobook and let it be read to you and maybe you'll hear something in a new way. Find podcasts to listen to. Maybe start praying the Psalms. Try something to switch up what you pray and how you pray. Figure out something you can do to dig a little bit deeper. The next one is the rocky soil. Jesus says, when people hear the word, they immediately receive it gladly because they have no root however they last only for a little while when they experience distress a setback trouble bad news or an offense and they immediately fall away they just give up as soon as trouble how did what did Jesus say he said in this world you're going to have trouble duh so you come to me telling me you got trouble tell me something I don't know that I don't have you think I don't have any trouble I just killed three armadillos tearing up my yard. I got trouble. I made trouble for them too. They're in the afterlife now. What this could look like in your life is like this. Maybe you went somewhere and you experienced Jesus like never before. Maybe you heard a sermon that spoke to you. Maybe you got baptized and you're ready to take on the world. But then life hits. Then you lose your job what? Then somebody close to you gets sick and dies. Maybe you've changed, but none of your friends have. So you're trying to live a different life in the kingdom, but they just don't get it. So they start pushing you away and you begin to slide away as well. For my own life, I can tell you that being in the rocky soil is one of the most difficult places to be, but it's also the times when my life, when, when God has used it to shape me and grow me like never before. See, something I want to challenge you to do if you're in that kind of a place, if you don't have a small group, join a small group. If you're in a small group, share where you are, what you're going through, what you're feeling. Allow others to come alongside and lift you up to encourage you. Many people have been through what you're going through. They can encourage you and give you hope. I would hope after 78 years, my God, I've got something to say to somebody in trouble. Hey, dude, The sky is not falling, chicken little. This storm is going to pass. You're going to live and not die. Stop getting a wedgie. Chill. It's a normal part of life. Don't let it affect your behavior at all. Shake it off and lift you up, encourage you, pray for you. So instead of stepping back, step up, seek God. Let him grow his roots deep in your soil. You're not the first one to be where you are. The third one is the thorny plants. Jesus said, these are the ones who have heard my word, but the worries of this life, oh, what's going to happen? Then the false appeal of wealth, the desire for more and more things, the busyness of a busy life, choke out the word, and it bears no fruit. See, why don't we talk about the sin of busy? Yes, Well, I'm too busy. Well, I've got this. Well, I've got that. Well, I'm doing well. Business is well, but I'm chasing this. I've got to go here. Plus, I've got two new houses. I've got to go check on them. We're going to spend the weekend there. And pretty soon, nothing was bad, but pretty soon, it just chokes the word out of you. And I see you maybe Christmas, maybe Easter. Oh, you're going to heaven, totally non-fruit bearing. Why? It just choked the word. It couldn't grow in you. You're not around to let the Word get in you and grow in you. My problem now at this age and going through that much Bible is every time I want to do something bad, Scripture comes in my head. Anybody like that? I hate that. It's like, well, I'm just being honest. That's a good reason to memorize some Scripture. You can't behave like that. I want to, but I can't. That's not part of the kingdom. God said, don't do that. Well, when when I read of Jesus' description of this one, it hurts because I think most people find themselves in this one more often than some of the others. And here's what that could look like I want to join a small group, but life is really, really busy. I know you don't understand that, Rick. Are you kidding? Are you kidding me? Who ain't busy? Somebody in the grave. That's not busy. I want to start serving, but, you know, my weekends are busy. I have all kinds of things to do. I want my family to have faith and make it a priority, but our kids are so busy, and they have sports, and I want them to get into that school. And the tagline for this soil would be, but. I love church, but. I really like what Jesus is saying, but. We could also think about this as the soil of priorities, Do we even have space in our lives to let Jesus begin to grow in us and to bear fruit? If this is where you are, here's my challenge. You know, take a to-do list and bring it to God and say, God, help me see my everyday to-do list as something that can be an act of worship. Help me see this as something I can do with you, not apart from you. Or another thing is take your calendar and actually schedule time to be with God. My, son, my coming to church, whether it's a Saturday or Sunday, is not debatable. That was before I was ever in the ministry. That wasn't going to change. That was a priority. That, one, that seed went in me well. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And if you're without the word going in you or being washed with the water of the world, then people just sit at home. They've got good money, a good income, and they have very little need. So they sit back and say, well, I might watch it online. I might not. But that's not what Jesus said. You're not being washed with the water of the word. So it has very little impact over your life. Very little. You don't, you, you, the scripture's always barking at me. Always barking at me. You know, if Cindy makes me mad, it barks at me. Not only is she barking, the Word of God's barking. (laughs) Am I the only one? (laughs) See, I, I want my family to be good soul. Don't let anything touch that where you schedule your time for God time. That's all. You figure it out. That's for you to do. The final soul is good soul. That's where we'll stop. That's the soil we all hope we can become. Jesus said, The seed scattered on good soil are those who hear my word and do it. They bear fruit, sometimes 30 fold, sometimes 60 fold, sometimes 100 fold. See, the good soil is the soil that creates space for God's seed to implant itself into my life to grow and bear some fruit. When's the last time you bore some fruit? When's the last time God said something and you said, Shoot, I need to change? I need to change that. See, how, how, does, how does it do this? Jesus said two words, it hears and it does. It embraces the word. So, you remember when you first learned how to swim? If you ever know, knew how to swim. And I was a water safety instructor and a diver, so I know a little bit about this. But when you learned first, you had the first step was to go to a pool. It's pretty obvious, had to find some water. Bathtub wouldn't do it. That's kind of important. Next part was, you're at the pool, And somebody talked to you, maybe an instructor about what you were going to do when you got in the water. And once you understood that, you might've slid into the water and they teach you how to blow bubbles, get your head underwater, blow bubbles, trying to acclimate you to get unfearful about the water. So we do it in a fun way. Maybe they teach you to float on your back a little bit. Again, getting you familiar with the water. Maybe they held on to the side of the pool and you kicked your feet and added your arms. And before you know it, you're able to move along a little bit and begin to swim. I used to take my granddaughter Mia to learn how to swim. And I watched that little thing go from being afraid of the water to being uh, Phelps going down the pool. And then under the water, the length of the pool. And I thought, I've been doing this with her for a month. And it went from nothing to this, just little by little. They teach you one thing, you learn it, you embrace it, you do it. Then once you qualify there, you go to the next step. Jim Williams over here and probably some others, Rick Poe is a captain with Delta Air. There may be some other pilots in here, but when we went to pilot school, they didn't throw everything at us. They just threw a couple of things at us and we practiced it. We listened, we learned, and then we did it. Over and over and over. Occasionally, you see these pictures in a movie where the flight attendant gets up in the cockpit of a 747, and they're going to talk her into a landing. You better hope to God that is not you on that airplane. She is not going to land it. She's going to crash it. Ace jock alpha male. The first time I ever tried to land an airplane, it was sideways. It was ugly. I I thought it was easy. It, with no experience, it looked easy. it wasn't easy, so I had to keep doing it over and over until I got it. Then it got easy. Then they would throw something else at me, Jim. and they don't throw all those dials and switches and levers at you at once. you'd freak out, just little by little. And God grows you the same way. You hear the word? I'm not doing. I'm not very generous. I don't give anything. Maybe I don't serve anywhere. Just one thing. God says, let's just work on that for a while. Let's just work right there on that. Once you got that under your belt, we'll move on to the next thing. He doesn't come at you with everything, right? No. Thank you for that underwhelming support. Okay. I'm trying. I'm really trying. You go to the next step. I think think the same thing goes on in our spiritual lives. What's going on with good soil? theologian Klein Snodgrass describes it like this. He says, to be a disciple of the kingdom means hearing and remaining focused on the message of the kingdom in such a way one becomes defined by it. He says, the key to spiritual formation is a willingness to listen, the practice of the discipline of listening, and responding appropriately to the word you received. So you hear, you embrace the word, you respond, and you take the next step. See, I think Jesus says, if you don't understand this parable, you ain't going to understand any of the other ones because he wants us to know when I'm speaking, this is Jesus, when I'm speaking, I want you to sit with it, think about it, wrestle with it, and keep moving forward. And the people who were asking Jesus to explain the parable were the people who kept moving forward, even though they didn't fully understand it. They kept chewing on it and asking, what does this word mean for us? How how do we apply this to our lives? And I think at the core of following Jesus is the idea of actually listening to what Jesus is saying, hearing it, thinking about it. How do I apply this to my life? How do I move forward with it? When we do, God's spirit begins to take hold of our lives, to help us grow, help us bear fruit like never before. And it forces us to ask, will I create space in my heart, in my life, and let the seed of God's word go deep in my soul and start to grow and bear fruit so it changes the way I live and the way I see my world. If we're parents, don't we want to ask the question, what kind of soil am I helping my kids become? What kind of soil am I helping my children to have? Every week when we show up at church, it forces us to ask, Even if I didn't really like the speaker today, what is Jesus calling me to do as a result? How is he calling me to live my life differently? And when we do that, when we hear, when we embrace, when we keep moving forward, God's spirit just goes deeper into our lives and changes who we are and fruit gets produced. So the good soil hears Jesus' words, applies it to our lives, and then God makes us grow. And God bears the fruit in our lives. For 2,000 years, people have been hearing God's word about the kingdom. For 2,000 years, it's been taking hold in people's lives and transforming the way people have been living. And that's why we're here today. So this parable forces us to ask the question, which soil am I going to be? Which soil is our church going to be? Am I going to be a kingdom church or am I going to be a Republican church, a Democrat church, a white church? a black church, an Asian church. I wish you'd get as mad about that as I do because they aren't in the Bible. There is no male, no female, no bond, no free, no Jew, no Gentile, no Democrat, no Republican. you come through that door, you come into a spiritual new birth and you leave your racial identity, you leave your national identity at the door. You are now in a new government, a new kingdom. And he says, in my kingdom, this is how we behave. This is how we live. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm telling you, there's tons of people going to heaven who don't want to hear that. They do not want to hear it. I'm gonna receive it. And whatever the price is, so be it. That's just tough. So my hope, my prayer is that we become good soil and we let God begin to work in our lives to bear fruit. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. Follow me by visiting the links in the description. I'm praying today that God richly blesses you this entire week.